I was reading the other day, imagine that. And I read a story that came out of the days of World War II. Perhaps it's a story you've read yourself and seen, or perhaps you've heard it sometime over the years, because uh, that has been a while back. As you know, during that era of World War II, the primary means of transportation coast to coast in this country, especially for troops, was the railroad. And I remember hearing some of my relatives that served in World War II talk about riding the troop trains and riding the different uh, passenger trains across the country. And I can remember them talking about how that when the passenger trains would stop in Marshall, that there would be people there that would get on board and serve donuts and coffee and uh, fruit and things like that to the, the troops that were traveling on those trains. Passing those things out for them as a token of their appreciation and a token of their gratitude for their service. Well, this particular train that I was reading about, in those days, most of the passenger trains that the chair, the, the uh, seats and coach were grouped facing each other. You had two seats facing each other. So in groups of four, people would sit and all of the total strangers and you would visit and, and get to know people, especially on a long train ride. Well, on this particular train, the only seats available, this young, this young soldier and his commanding officer were on their way home. And the only seats available when they got on the train were across from a very attractive young woman and her grandmother. And they were riding across the western United States and they were getting acquainted and engaging in the kind of small talk that people engage in on those types of long trips. As the train was making its way through the Colorado Rockies, they came to a very long, long tunnel through the mountains. And as the train moved into the tunnel, there was nothing but pitch black darkness. As the train traveled through the dark tunnel, there was suddenly the sound of a kiss, followed by the unmistakable sound of a slap to the face. Coming out of the tunnel, the four people were sitting there, not saying a word, each of them consumed in their own thoughts. The grandmother thought, how dare that fresh young soldier kiss my granddaughter. I'm glad she slapped him. He deserved it. The commanding officer's thinking, I don't blame the kid for kissing the girl, but she messed up and slapped me instead of him. The attractive young girl is thinking, wow, what a kiss. Sorry, my grandmother slapped Young soldier is smiling to himself. He seized the moment and made the most of it. He kissed a pretty girl and slapped his commanding officer all at the same time. There's one thing that strikes home from that humorous little story. That is, that young soldier knew how to seize opportunity when opportunity came on. In that same way, we have to take advantage of opportunities that come to us. 
Opportunities to fulfill our purpose in life. Opportunities for us to get the most out of life. The great tragedy of life is that oftentimes we get caught up in the details of everyday living. And when we get caught up in the details of everyday living, sometimes we just don't have the time to seize the moment. We have deadlines, we have commitments, we have responsibilities, and we have problems, and we have priorities, we have distractions, we have obstacles. We want more fulfillment. And even though we want more fulfillment in our life, it just doesn't seem to be in our grasp sometimes. Let's be honest. None of us want to live our life and, and be just average. At least we don't want to admit that we do. By our very nature, we want our life to be full. We want our life to be prosperous. The more I read of the Apostle Paul, the more I'm convinced that Paul wanted to seize the moment and Paul wanted to live life to the fullest. The Philippian letter is a letter that he wrote to a church that was very near and dear to his heart. A church that had its beginning when he baptized Lydia and her household by the river outside the city of Philippi. In the Philippian letter, in chapter 3, Paul describes his own philosophy of life. And if you and I are going to follow Paul's example, beloved, what we've got to do is we've got to make the most of every day. We've got to make the most of every opportunity that comes to us, and we've got to live life to the fullest. No matter how hectic life may be, no matter how many obstacles there might be. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 16. Paul writes, But those things that were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. David Alice, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that with which I am also apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do. Forgetting the things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same. Like David in Psalm chapter 42. When David said, As the heart panteth after the water's brook, so panteth my soul after the O God. As the red deer panteth, as the red deer is overwhelmed by the desire for the cool, refreshing mountain stream after being heated in the chase, so is my soul overwhelmed for the O God and for thy refreshing grace. That's what David said. Like David does in that 42nd Psalm. Here in this Philippian letter, Paul shows us the way to live this more fulfilling life. We've got to find our purpose in life. I asked you this morning. And we went around the room and everybody asked to answer. We're not going to relax. But if I said to you this morning, what is your purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? What would your answer be? Be a good wife or a good husband. Be a good mother. Be a good father. Be able to be a better employee and do your job better. To be a good secretary, a good teacher, a good salesperson. And all of those are good answers. And all of those are noble answers and, and noble purposes. But those are all secondary purposes. The question is, what is your primary purpose? Or said another way, what is your reason for living? Everything in creation has a primary purpose or a reason for its existence. And for anything or anyone to be successful, it has to fulfill. For example, I have here in my pocket. It's me. What is the primary purpose? So what do I do if I have my paycheck 
And I desperately need to endorse my paycheck, and you have no idea how desperately I need to endorse it. And those two pens don't work. I bypass the beautiful pen set, and I give me a 99-cent Pentel gel pen and endorse my check so I can take it. Now that seems like maybe a simple illustration. But just like a pen has a primary purpose, every individual on the top side of God's green earth, you and me, every individual God has created has a primary purpose. And our lives will be meaningless and we will be failures unless we find out what our purpose is. We've got to find our reason for living. And one of the things we have to do is we have to forget the past. What Paul say in verse 13? He says, forgetting the things that are behind. That's the first thing we all have to do. Is forget the past. Just like all of us, Paul had a past that he had to Paul had tortured and Paul had murdered many innocent people. Paul had caused a lot of pain and he caused a lot of damage because of Christ. And now Paul is faced with choice. He can dwell on his mistakes. He can let those mistakes ruin his life and his chance for an effective ministry. Or the other option is to forget all about those past mistakes move on with his life. Just like Paul had to make a choice. We had to make choices. Maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe it's even been recently. Or maybe you did something long, long ago that you still regret. And the memories keep coming back to haunt you. And the memories keep haunting you and keep you from living a full life. Here's a news flash for you. Write it down, it's on the final exam. There are a lot of folks that have messed up in the past. You're not alone. Now here's the revelation. It's over, it's done, it's gone. It can't hurt you anymore. And there's not one thing you can do to change it. And the only thing you can do, the only thing I can do is forget it and move on. That's why Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, listen to it, and will not remember thy sins. That's what God said. For God, the prophet of God in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor. And every man is brothers saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, here it is, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin. What Paul say? Forgetting the things that are behind. But Paul didn't say forgetting the bad things. He said, forgetting the things that are behind. We forget the bad and we also forget the good. 
You see, there are a lot of folks who hone in on one good period of time in their life and spend then the rest of their life trying to relive and recreate the past. Maybe it was a time in high school or a time in college. Maybe it was when you first got married. Maybe it was when your children were young. Maybe it was when you first started your job. Paul said, forget what This is the same temptation sometimes that Christians and the church give into. You hear people say, oh, don't you remember those good days? Don't you remember those good days when the crowds were so much larger? You go from the East Coast to the West Coast and you go from the Southern border to the Northern border of the United States and I challenge you to find any religious group anywhere right now that doesn't say the same thing. For the first time since they've been conducting research polls, less than 50% of the people in the United States actually believe God. The people say, oh, don't you remember the crowd was so much wasn't it great when brother and sister and you fill in the blanks were here and worshiped with us? Oh, I guess he, I wish they were here again. You remember hearing the prayers, brother so-and-so and all the old folks were magnificent prayers. Oh, I sure miss hearing Sister Melody sing, oh, that lady had a voice. You remember when brother so-and-so was here? Now that was preaching when we had him here. And on and on and on, that is tonight and that always in this list. Paul knew that a good past was not enough to ensure a meaningful future. Here's what he says in that third chapter of Philippians, beginning verse 4. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am old. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now listen to it. But those things that were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Paul said, I will not live the past. My reason for living is to be like Jesus Christ. And whatever happened yesterday, good or bad, is now history. And I will live for Jesus today. We've got to let go of the past. And we've got to let God be in our lives. Paul said in verse 12, he says, I follow after. That means he follows after Jesus. That means that Jesus is going to be his guide. And you may not know this, but I'm a big fan of big fan. One of my favorite movies of all time is the Glenn Miller story with Jim Allison and Jim Stewart. I've seen it I don't know how many times. 
and you can watch it with me, and I can tell you what's fixing to happen. Sometimes I can tell you what the dialogue is fixing to be. I know what's coming, I know what's happening, and in parts of the movie, I still get misty eyed. If you want to laugh about that, go for it. If they remade the Jimmy Stewart story or the Glenn Miller story today, it would be what folks call a chick flick. I still watch As I was pondering this passage, as I was sitting there, elbows out on the keyboard, hitting those keys and typing the strokes for today's lesson, I had YouTube playing in the background. You know what's playing? The Glenn Miller Classics. And thinking about this passage of Scripture and thinking about big band music, it brought to my mind the idea of guidance. For that band to stay together, they had to have a leader. They had to have someone to guide them. In that same way that the band leader leads the band, in that same way, you and I must let the God of heaven lead us in our lives. And forgetting the past and letting God lead us, we face the present. The here and now. You know, sometimes it's easy to live in the past. At the same time, it's easy to dream away the future. Sometimes facing the present becomes a real challenge. We can't have the luxury of saying, one of these days I'm going to do something about my temper. One day I'm going to do something about my commitment to God. One day I'm going to start doing something about my health. I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to exercise. I think all of us are familiar with the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Lazarus is sick. So instead of calling 911, Martha sent for Jesus. But when Jesus arrived at the tomb, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, he's going to rise again. Martha misunderstood. She thought Jesus was talking about the resurrection. But Jesus said, Lazarus, One that was dead came forth from the grave, still bound with the grave clothes. What was that? It was a miracle that Jesus performed in the past. And we believe it. And we believe that Jesus performed many great miracles in the past. And Jesus was preparing to leave. He told the disciples, He said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Also, I mean, my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Before I am, that you might be also. We believe he did a lot of great miracles. We believe he's sitting at the right hand of God, preparing our home in heaven. And he's going to someday return as he's promised. But we seem to have so much Believing in the power of Jesus today. His power to change lives. 
His power to bless our efforts. His power to answer prayer. Facing the present. Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind. Reaching forth for those things that are before. I press for the prize to mark the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the past and facing the present. Means we choose to live life as it comes to us. Day by day. Not in the past. Not in the future. Right here. And God does not want us to waste our lives living among the waves. God wants us to seize the moment. God wants us to kiss the girl and slap the commanding officer. God wants us to live every day of our lives with a purpose. is to live life within the will of God. That's to live life God's life. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? If Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, then Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of your life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what we can do. I don't know what we might need to do or what the need of your life might be. But there are changes. There's something you need to do differently for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life and 